uh, whether you are online or here present, uh, we are with God and God is with us. And what better place can you imagine to be than to be with God? It is great to see you tonight, each and every one of you, and those I cannot see, right? Let's go to God in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we praise your holy divine name and thank you so very much for for blessing us in so many ways and allowing us to be reminded of your great power and authority, but also your great love. Bless us, Lord God, as we worship you, praying that uh, all things that will and have been said and done will and have been pleasing and acceptable in your sight. We ask, Lord God, for your, your guidance of our minds, that you will help to keep our mind from worldly thought. Bless us, Lord God, to not only appreciate your word, but to grow from it. Help us never to forget Jesus, your great son. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray and thank thee, if it be thy will. Amen. Tonight we're going to talk about a trustworthy statement. And these are, are, are statements that are found in the scriptures. And the Bible is, is filled with statements that you can trust in. Uh, things that God has said for us. And for those who trust in God, uh, we see the reward and the blessing in this life and in the life to come. That God has made promises to us and those promises will be fulfilled and have been fulfilled in the past. When the Holy Spirit puts these words into the mouths of his, of his prophets, his prophetesses, his people, his writers, nothing but amazing blessings and good comes from it. So I guess tonight one of the questions we can ask ourselves is, how much do we trust God? So these statements tonight, trustworthy statements, uh, we'll look at a few of them made by the Apostle Paul. Uh, they're in what we call as the pastoral epistles. And the Greek word that Paul uses is the word pistos, which is also the word for belief, right? And so belief or, or trustworthy or faithful. Uh, but these are very, very much God is faithful, God is trustworthy, and God is to believe. These are statements that we can trust in. First one is 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer or bishop, it is a fine work he desires to do. So what this text is saying to us is that to volunteer to serve and the office of an overseer is a fine or a noble task. Key to serve in an office that God has designated to, to serve. Do you desire the opportunity to not only serve the people, the masses, the congregation, but to serve God? What a blessing. What an amazing thought, amazing opportunity. Being an overseer of God's people is, is hard work. It is a task. The office is not made up of a, a board of directors like some think, but rather it's an office of service, servitude. And thank God for those who are willing to take the time to serve God and serve people in this way. It is one of the many servant categories that are necessary and found in the Scriptures. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We'll begin uh, there in verse 11. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. Well, well why did God give, give 
some this and then others that. You know, different responsibilities or, or different roles in the body of Christ. Why did God do that? Verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. To build us up. So everyone that is serving has this blessed opportunity to equip the body of believers for what reason? Well, we're fighting a war, aren't we? Well, we're fighting a war and God needs us to work together. Well, how long? How long will the offices uh, be necessary? Well, look at verse 13. Verse 13 says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, the measure of the statue which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Looks like it's going to be for a lifetime. Right? It's necessary. The offices are necessary uh, for the purpose of Christ and building Christ up. And it has a beautiful end result. The beautiful end result and the continual result is found in verses 14 through 16. It says, as a result... We are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine and by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto him or into him, who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. And so all these offices are used to build the church, to grow the church in a way that brings glory and honor to God. It's a beautiful thing. 1 Timothy 4, please, and verse 7. It's a gift from God. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 7, the Bible says, But have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. The true value of life. Every day, every day the true value of life is to work on your godliness. Right? For us to work on being better servants today than we were yesterday and plan for our tomorrow in Christ if it so comes. And then as we're working toward becoming better servants of Christ. Turn to 2 Peter, please, chapter 1. We are not to compare ourselves with other Christians. In other words, as you're working on yourself, don't say, well, uh, I'm better than so-and-so, or if I could just be like this person. No, we're trying to be like Jesus. And every day we're working. Every day we're working and working and working on our relationship with the Lord. The Bible tells us in verse 3, seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. For by these He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises, in order that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, Supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, 
they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. Isn't it beautiful that, that God has given us a, a script, if you will, you can judge yourself. You can judge yourself. You find in your life that, that there are some things that you are, are falling short in your, your walk with Christ. Go back and check out these seven things. It's in the list. Find the principle and apply it, right? It's in the list. God has given us this great, abundant ability to take care of ourselves. Verse 11. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. What God is saying is, when you do these things, heaven is your home, right? In Christ, for those who have been who surrendered to Christ in the waters of baptism. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. Every day we're working on our souls, right? Every day we're working on ourselves to make ourselves better. We're disciplining our bodies. Again, verse 7. But have nothing to do with uh, worldly fables only fit for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourselves for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline, verse 8, is only of little profit. You know, there are a lot of gyms around town. <laughs> and, and, and some of us work out a lot. We work out often. And, and God's saying to us, that's good, but that's only worth a little bit. Right? Bodily discipline is only of little profit. But godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also the life to come. Think about that for a moment. Think about what God is saying. God is saying if you will take the time to work on yourself every day, help to to become better as a child of God, there's a blessing for you in it in this life and the life to come. Verse 9 says, It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. My walk of faith. How is your walk of faith? 1 Corinthians, please, chapter 15. There's a physical reward in, in bodily discipline, but it does not compare to the spiritual reward and spiritual discipline. You know what we're doing? What we're doing is we, we train... We train in the military. We train our bodies. We're training for for different reasons. Christians, we're training for war. We're not just training for the war. We're keeping ourselves fit to fight through the war because we are at war. And you've got to work at it every single day so that Satan does not take us captive because that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to take us captive and destroy us. But we will not give in. We will not capitulate. No way. We're going to stay faithful and true and grounded in the faith. God says, I gave you all these people in service to help each other to make this happen. Verse 51. Behold, I, I tell you a mystery. 
we should not all sleep. We shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. Think about that. If you went with a picket sign in front of a gym, and you said, hey, guys, we're all going to be changed. You're wasting your time. They'd say, you guys are crazy. You realize God's going to give us a new body, right? So what's more important, the physical or the spiritual? Spiritual, right? The spiritual. Now, we're talking just in context about the bodily exercise, but what about everything else in your lives? What's more important, the physical or the spiritual? The answer is the spiritual. For this perishable, verse 53, must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this immortal immortality, excuse me, but when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory, O death? Where is your sting? It's gone. Do you believe by faith? Turn to Hebrews chapter 5, please. Can you honestly say by faith, believing by faith, trusting in the blood of Jesus, that when he comes back, if he came back right now, right this moment, you're ready. You're ready. He'd take you home with you. If you can't say that, tonight's the night to get that right. Right? You should be able to say without a shadow of a doubt, not arrogantly, of course, but because of the blood and through the blood of Jesus Christ. I have disciplined my body. I've disciplined my mind. I'm working hard every day at my soul, at my spiritual life, to strive to please God, to make it into heaven to be with him. And I'm going to come back to works in a moment. I'm striving to the, very belief, to the best of my ability to make God pleased with me. And yes, if he came back today, I'm going home with him. What a blessing. You want, you want to live a stress-free life? Get your spiritual life right, right? Then it doesn't matter what happens today, and it doesn't matter what happens tomorrow. Verse 12 says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food is for the mature who, because of practices, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. First Timothy 6, please, in verse 6. Training and the pursuit of Christ is a lifelong endeavor. Stay the course, church. I know it's t- you know, times get real tough. And the older we get, it becomes even more difficult. But stay the course. Remember when I was a young man before I, I uh, you know, even thought about church and things of that sort. You know, church was for old people, right? You know, that's, you know, it's only for old people who are about to die. You know, that's what you think when you're just kind of young and invincible in your own mind. Worship is for everyone. And we all need it, the young and the old. The young more than the old. Because the old are ready. And the young need to prepare to get ready. Prepare themselves for God will come one day. So 1 Timothy 6 and verse 6 says, But godliness actually is 
a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. So think about this, young folks. If young, the young folks, if we learned when we were younger how to become godly and accompany that godliness with contentment, you realize how easy life will be. But that's a hard lesson to learn. And it takes maybe a long time to learn it. But the sooner you learn it, the better off you're going to be in this world. Right? The old folks can tell you that, right? The old folks can say that. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11. Verse 11. It is a trustworthy statement for... We died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he'll also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. You realize it doesn't matter what anyone says in the whole world about God. God is. It doesn't matter how anyone feels about God. God is, God will never deny himself, or he cannot deny himself. We are not praying to some, um, you know, imaginary figure in the heavens. We are not here worshiping uh, someone that may or may not possibly exist. We're worshiping the only one who is. Brethren, our faith has to be strong and grow stronger and stronger every day. Hebrews chapter 13, please. Regardless of what the world says, we've got to stay faithful to God in order to make it through until the end. And we will. Because God has set the standard of faithfulness. He says, I will be faithfully committed to you for your entire life. I'll never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. He also is telling us that I've never left you. Verse 5, the Bible says, Let your character be free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that we may confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What shall man do to me? God is reliable. God is someone we can trust in. He cares. He's always cared for his children. All the way through the Bible, you see God caring for his people, God preserving his people, God protecting his people, God forgiving his people, God giving us confidence that in this life we'll make it if we trust him. First Timothy chapter 1, if we just trust him, if we'll just trust him, firm to the end, if we'll just gain that confidence and remember that Christ came. He came to save sinners. He came to save us. That's how much love God has for us. And I'm really saddened about that word love now. Because I hear that word love used um, today repetitiously in a, in, a, in a horrible way. I mean, love just doesn't mean what the Bible calls love, does it? I mean, you think about it, right? It's like you can, you can meet someone or you can, you can see it on television or, or wherever and you see folks talking, they'll go, oh, I just love you. And they, and they, never even, they don't even know each other. 
like they've seen each other for the first time, but something funny happens and they go, oh, I just love you. Well, what does that mean? What does that really mean? And, and what that does is it, it affects the, the minds of, of even our young folks growing up because if you don't understand the depth of love, what true love is, it's Satan's way to easily deceive us into believing something that isn't true. Christ loves us. And he came to the earth to save us, a people who couldn't save themselves. In verse 12, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, and yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement, deserving full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am the foremost of all. Paul says, I'm, I'm the chief. I, I'm the worst of all. He came to save us because we couldn't save ourselves. Because without him, all of us, from Adam to the last man that lives on the earth, would be dead in our sins. That's love. And never mix that up with what we hear from the world when they speak of love. Verse 16, Paul goes on to say by inspiration, and yet for this reason I found mercy in order that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Patience. God has given or granted patience to us. John 9. He granted patience to the blind. I was blind. I was blind at one time. But God opened my eyes. Thank, thank you, God, for allowing me to be able to see and then to see through the worldly temptations and the worldly evils of Satan. How about you? I, I was led astray, but God was patient with me. And he gave me another day and another opportunity and another day and another opportunity and another day and another opportunity to wake up. Thank you, God. John 9 and verse 39. And Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, that those who see may become blind. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, please. I was blind. I thought I could see. I thought I had it all together. But Jesus was patient with me. How about you? Verse 4, the Bible says, In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God. And just to think for just a moment, 1 John 5, please. 1 John 5. To think for just a moment that I was on Satan's team, that I followed him and that I lived for him and I'd been deceived. 
And yet, he was patient with me. And he gave me another day and another chance and another opportunity. How about you? That's love. That's love. First John 5 and verse 19. We know that we are of God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Why didn't he just let me die out there? Never thought about that? Like, like Paul says, you know, I, I, was, I was the chief. Turn to Titus, please, chapter 3. I, I deserve to die out there. I should have died out there. But God showed me mercy. The chief. God showed me mercy. That's a trustworthy statement. In verse 1, we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. Thank you, God. The Bible says, remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be uncontentious, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. For we all once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we had done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of the regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we might be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy statement. And concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God may be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men. That's good news. That's good news. Pray God will never allow us to be placed in a position. Philippians 2, please. Where... When we begin to trust in our own righteousness, forgetting about the greatness of God, where, where we, we forget where we've come from, forgetting about the patience of God, where we start patting ourselves, if you will, on the back and saying, look at how great I am. I'm not saying we don't encourage each other and compliment each other. But when I start patting myself on the back and saying, look at how great I am, pray God I'm never in that position. Pray God I'll never be in that position again. Fight against pride and arrogance. Fight against the wickedness that has deceived us for so many years and caused us to go astray. And talk about the good news of Jesus Christ. Love? Yeah, that's love. And that's a trustworthy statement. And here it is, that Jesus loved us. And he came to the earth to die for us. And finally, Philippians 2, verse 5. Have this attitude in yourselves, which also was in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, 
did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You ever wrestled with the thought, what, you know, if God had asked me, would you come as a poor person? Is that how you would have come? See, that's love. That's the love of God. God doesn't think the way that we do. Church, in this life, in this life, it doesn't matter what position you're in, in this life, wait for God to exalt you when we leave this earth to be with Him forever. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about, church. In closing, verse 9 and following. Therefore, God, also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess. Every tongue. Every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. We serve a mighty God. And you can trust that. This evening, if there is something that was said to encourage you uh, in some way, thank God for that. If there's something that was said to encourage you of your life, maybe you've got some struggles, you have struggles in your life that you would like prayers made on your behalf. Perhaps there's something that's come out of your week that has made you desire to surrender your life to Jesus, to be baptized, immersed in water for the remission of your sins. Perhaps there's something that can be done. Perhaps there's something that needs to be done. And if so, please make it known while together we stand and sing our song.